Welcome aboard. On this week's episode, we discuss our time so far with Mass Effect Legendary Edition. We get into the nitty-gritty of the emotion within games. And PlayStation goes Cosmic Red. This is Triple XP. Triple XP. Welcome all to episode 30. I'm Shane and this is Mike. All right. How's it going? And this week we are joined by our blog writing extraordinaire, Ryan. You're right. I'm not sure I can claim that title, seeing as I've written like two blogs in about. No, two not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, let's, not, let's not dabble on that, shall we? You're, you're the best we've got, right? You're the best we've got, man. That's fine. Yeah, you you wheel me out for reasons. It's fine. I'm here. Yeah, you're all we've got, so therefore the best we've got. Um, <laughs> but anyway, let's let's get straight into it. What we've been what we've been playing this week, boys. Ryan, do you want to start us off? What have I been playing? I mean, obviously I've been listening to this every week, and Mike, you need to be giving Nintendo like a well, they should be giving you a cut because I've now bought five of them, <laughs> courtesy of you. Um, you know. <laughs> I've, I've been itching. This, there's been this scratch uh, I just couldn't quite get to. And then as you started talking about Fire Emblem, I realised it was because I'm missing three houses. And so I there have, it is. There it is. <laughs> under, under, yeah, and under the influence of, uh, well, I'm sure not sure what it was, but I ended up buying it. <laughs> and I don't regret it, which is quite nice. Um, <laughs> and I'm enjoying it thoroughly again from so, like, what, playthrough three, four, I think? So a, dr- a drunken purpose, a purchase that wasn't regretted. That's that's got to be a first, it's, right? It's not often. Is it? There's a lot of times <laughs> that you wake up where there's a lot of dread, but Fire Emblem is not one of them. So, yeah, no, thank you for that. But, yeah, I've been playing through that. And do you know what? I, I've missed it. I've missed that kind of, you know, XCOM. I've been playing XCOM on PlayStation. And it doesn't have that same charm that yeah. Fire Emblem does. XCOM is um, a very similar beast, isn't it, with the... Like permadeath yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, the only thing that XCOM has over Fire Emblem is that XCOM, you, you know, I could create you and Shane, and then you two could get blasted to shit. Whereas in Fire Emblem, I can't unfortunately create you guys and then put you in the fire in the line of fire. Um, yeah, true. But it's still, you know, it's heart wrenching. It's heart wrenching when these guys just die and they, you know, they just they scream in pain. They kind of say, "I'm sorry, I wasn't strong enough." And you're like. <laughs> on the <laughs> on the note of XCOM, I was actually I very came very close to purchasing it again the other day on the Switch because yeah, it's very it's Switch on sale, game. Isn't like it, at the minute, and yeah, I'm just like I've no, heard, I might, I might do it. I've heard bad things about the port. I've heard very oh, bad things. Luck, luckily, I've not purchased it, and I still have it on PlayStation, and still have not completed it slash got very far at all. Yeah, but um. Yeah. Keep it on PlayStation. I've heard. I've heard that the Switch is. Uh, it's not ported very well. It doesn't. Um, it just. It just does not play well. It's slow. It's clunky. Um, you know. Obviously, you've got all of the the cinematic or the small sort of it, like it's into like cinematics where it introduces people or it cuts to the shooting and stuff. It's bad. <laughs> I'll just um, keep waiting for uh, Project Triangle Strategy. 
Yes. Or that's the one. Um, unless if you want to purchase it for me, um, then no. The only disposable income I had was spent on a drunken purchase that I don't regret, <laughs> which was five of them. So hundred percent worth. Hundred percent worth. And as I said, yeah, as we were speaking about before the uh, before we start recording, I think my next disposable income is probably going to go to the season pass as well. So yeah, you you, you uh, well. Nintendo owe you something, 10%, 20p or something like that. They yeah. owe you something. Nintendo, if you're listening, just hook a brother up, yeah. <laughs> give, give him the 0.01% 0. 0. Yeah, yeah. that he deserves. Because <laughs> that that's all they'd ever give you. And then 10 coins or whatever they're called that you can redeem in store. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, to be that. fair, Good he'd love coins. that. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah. and obviously that 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 in itself feels like a a handheld sort of part of my life. There's there's before, there's very specific points gone. Before you head off, uh, go on forward on that. Can we just touch on? I actually think that Nintendo need to do this. Why is there not a gain coins through a refer a friend system? Like if. You have, if you purchase a game and you say and you put in that this was referred to me by this person, they gain a, like a small handful of coins into their account. Didn't Why is that not a thing? They lose money. They're not going to lose much though, are they? We talk. Yeah, there's also like, a there's lot coins. of shit Nintendo needs to fucking sort out before oh, yeah, this. This true. is bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah, it's true. A but like, if, if they earn like five coins, for example, that's nothing, is it? It's like five p. No. Yeah. But then in the same vein, though, on the other side, is that enough to encourage you to refer someone? Think of all the shovelware I could get with, uh, you know, the referrals <laughs> that I do. I was well, just I mean, on this podcast some... alone. Like... Mike, Mike himself, he could have earned, uh, he could have bought Fire Emblem himself by now, just with <laughs> just with those. Buy this game I'm just playing right referrals. now and really excited about and won't be playing in, like, two days' time from now. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, Ryan, you can go back. You can continue with what uh, you were saying now. I was, fine. I mean, I was just saying, it, it, Fire Emblem feels a very portable part of my life. And there's obviously very specific moments when you have the switch in your hand, which is when you're in bed and when you're at the toilet. I, I, there was one occasion today where I was in London, but I would say that the majority of the time on the switch is, is in the former two, the toilet and the, uh, and the bed. <laughs> so yeah. that feels a certain amount of time in my life. The other two, well, the other rest of the time is spent over two games, which is Mass Effect, which I'm sure me and Mike will speak a lot on, and Destiny, which I'm sure me and Shane will talk a lot on. Because <laughs> Shane is, uh, is a huge, if you don't know, he's a huge advocate for Destiny. Uh, yeah, he's a poster boy. <laughs> um, hashtag sponsored content um, for, for <laughs> Destiny. I like Shane's. <laughs> I mean, Just... <laughs> anybody who's listened to to this podcast in the last few weeks will know that that is not the case. I believe My... it's called negging. Um, you, you treat it so badly that you just kind of want to go back to it. That's what it My is. relationship <laughs> with it is in the worst place it could possibly be. <laughs> Even though we're just full divorce. Yeah, full divorce, yeah. <laughs> just, who got the... I, I don't... Oh, sorry? I who got the kids? <laughs> Yeah, destiny, destiny and it can take them <laughs> can fucking have them I don't want anything to do with it <laughs> so which do you want to cover first Mass Effects or Destiny 
<laughs> let's go for a shit sandwich shall we so we've done a fire emblem which was quite positive let's do destiny shane let's get Brilliant. it out here we way. go let's this is going to be a fun conversation for you, Mike. Buckle up, listeners. <laughs> it's about to get real negative. I'm just going to pour some more wine for this one. You, you need more than wine, I think. Something a bit stronger <laughs> than that. For this, those of you who don't know, Season of the Splice has just started. So, new season, new weapons, new content, uh, new story. It's not that bad. <laughs> new, new, new sweaties. Uh, new bought. Higher numbers. numbers. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no higher numbers in terms of level, so the grind itself is not there in terms of high higher level. But there is new bullshit builds. <laughs> I can't deny that. There's definitely oh, yeah. some bullshit in play, but it's season of Tron. You know, this is you're going into sort of the the dataverse. You know, it's the it's the neon, it's the cyber, it's the you know, this is you, Shane. This is basically Tron. Yeah. Without which, the light cycles. And and the thing is, Tron's great. I love ever, anything neon. I think it's awesome. But Destiny already gives me depression. I don't need that depression in neon lights. Simple as that. <laughs> and there is nothing right now about Destiny, in my opinion, that is enjoyable in any way, shape, or form. It is just full of sweaty cunts. It is annoying. I absolutely hate PvP. I absolutely hate PvE. The entire game is just making me so angry right now. And I don't... I Even the Neon Lights of Tron can't bring me back. I did kind of go into this discussion hoping to just end the podcast at 10 minutes. To see <laughs> if just, stop. <laughs> just see if I can get you to sort of rage quit it. I'm never going to... I'm not going to rage quit it, but it's just... The, this season, as well as the Tron element, there's an even higher focus on stasis because they didn't want to focus on that bullshit class anymore. Let's just make it more of a focus by bringing in stasis-based weapons. Literally, actually makes me want to vomit. Um, so they've now got now we've got stasis, which in itself is bullshit and it's still unbalanced. Just it's for still the ridiculous. The, the people like me that don't give a shit. What, what is stasis? stasis? So what, what essentially, <laughs> the original Destiny had three three uh, classes that you could be three uh, class well three powers that your character could use. So you have got the three classes: warlock, hunters, and and titans. And then they could all utilize three sets of different powers. And they are void, which is like a purpley time warping style of yeah, thing. it's like shadowy kind of yeah. yeah. Uh, then you've got, got purple power. Yeah, basically. Oh, then you've got fire. Uh, you've got fire and lightning. Essentially, they're the original three. Um, they've now brought in stasis, which is essentially ice. It's just ice. They should just call it ice. Um, <laughs> it's meant to be like time slowing, but it's just ice. Uh, it gives you the ability to freeze people, free slow people down, create big ice walls. Um, the whole of this last, like the whole of this part of Destiny, is basically based around a giant planet full of snow which I couldn't hate more. Um, and the storyline is all based around using the stasis. And the stasis has been brought in because it's a dark power. Um, so it's specifically using the darkness, whereas everything previously in Destiny has all been about using the light to fight the dark. So this is the first time we're using the other side and trying to use its own power against it, which all seems cool. 
seems like a great idea like oh they're really expanding on the story they're taking it to where we think where we've been wanting it to go for ages except stasis itself is bullshit and i couldn't hate it more um it so far it's it is so broken i mean it sounds overpowered. it's not only is it overpowered um but it's firstly it's not balanced at all and i'm not picking out any particular class because all three classes have bullshit abilities with it um it's not balanced at all and if anything by trying to balance it they've unbalanced it more which is just two of the classes now are just absolutely run rampant and one of the classes ryan's class is actually just being nerfed to high heaven for no real reason while the other two classes are left to run rampant um so it's not balanced in any way shape or form and the way that they've done it is that the new so stasis um you can put these like fragments and aspects into it to make it more powerful and it gives you boosts to like your strength or your grenade cooldown or stuff like that fantastic the problem is that they haven't done that to the original three um elements so the original three powers are just static powers that now have no real ability to stand up to stasis because the minute you swap out to one of them you will drop down in your strength or your agility or whatever it is that you've got stacked up in your stasis so they almost become irrelevant they're just redundant classes so all you get now is people running around with stasis freezing the fuck out of everyone consistently with these dirty sweaty builds where they'll like slide across about nine miles of the map as a titan with a shotgun sliding on ice insta freezing and then killing you from and then another player will kill you from the other side of the map with a hand cannon (laughs) because at the moment hand cannons are the meta and they're fucking horrible and they're overpowered and they need to get in the bin um just just remind remind me chatting so you don't like destiny at the moment is (laughs) that right right? (sighs) just honestly sit down (laughs) mate i am sitting down Uh, I just the thing is I've been playing Destiny since it came out in twenty what is it twenty thirteen twenty fourteen so uh, seven eight oh, years yeah. um, many moons ago on it and Destiny I've all I think all of us have always had a bit of a love hate relationship with Destiny there's always been points where it's been frustrating because either it's not had enough content or it's just taken the piss with some of the, yeah some of the de- some of the decisions that Bungie have made have been frustrating. Uh, there's there's lots of things that have made it frustrating over the years. This is the first time in that eight years that I can honestly say I absolutely hate Destiny. All of the decisions that Bungie are currently making are horrible decisions. They've just brought in the transmog system, so an ability to change your armor to look how you want it to look. It's a horrible system they've brought in. The <laughs> the way they've changed the seasons, seasons is great, um, but everything they're doing around it just feels boring and stale. Every time they bring in a new piece of, like, a new activity, it just feels boring and stale. Um, they're just, they're, they're not doing enough right now, and it's just really frustrating me. And the decisions that are being made are just horrific. And the, the PvP is at a point where basically it's almost, so there's a, there's a mode in it called Trials of Cyrus, which is the hardcore, hardcore mode. That is where the best of the best players go once a week to test against themselves against each other. So just do you play there? Just... We I have and, and I've always enjoyed going into Trials of Cyrus, <laughs> but it's it's become unplayable for anyone outside of 
the sweatiest of the sweaties. Um, but the problem we're also getting is that those players are obviously into the main PvP mode as well. And the problem we're getting with PvP now is it is a, such a place where the really, really, really low-level casual players will play a little bit, um, but because there's so many super sweaty players in there, get really frustrated and stop playing it. So now the pool of players in PvP is, is a much higher quality of player across the board from the lowest level pv player to the highest level pvp player it's up it's just a much higher level um of quality players because all of those casual players are like i'm not playing anymore because it's bullshit but now what we do what we're yeah, getting i think what we're seeing i think you get that with a lot of games that have been out for a, a long time like i play yeah you do depending on a siege and like, i used to be good it's, at siege and now i'm terrible very at similar yeah it's like yeah exactly it's been out for so, years it, and people have just you know hardcore played only that game exactly that and it's it's the same same concept has happened on that as it's happened in lots of games and but so now what we're seeing is the good players they can't stand up to the sweaty bullshit players so they're starting to drop out so now your pvp is just filled with sweaty bullshit players and it's just not fun anymore it's just and like you say siege is in a very similar position where it's just full of extremely good players that means that people like us that just want to dip in and dip out and have fun just can't you just can't have fun so that's why at the moment destiny makes me super angry um and that's why i'm not currently playing i've actually deleted it from my console because all the time is installed I notice the. I notice it's not on your list of what you've been playing. <laughs> no, I've um, I've deleted should, it. Do you care to expand on why you've not been playing it this week? Oh wait. <laughs> well, all the time it's installed, I might play it. I, I know I'll be tempted to to go into it if it's installed. So, so I've uninstalled just, it. Just just to you know. You might have seen me put this on there as a list that I was going to come in here and kind of completely shit over your your views on Destiny. I get it, and I actually do kind of agree. I'm enjoying Season of the Spicer, but I'm not invested anywhere near as much as I used to be. As in, like, I know now that it is unobtainable to play a lot of these things at the higher level. I know that the amount of time I have to put into this game to actually get the most out of it is, like, a phenomenal amount. Like, all of my spare time that I should be spending... Even the time I'm spending on the toilet and in bed playing Fire Emblem, they should be on Destiny to just be anywhere close to doing well on that game. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just, it's just not obtainable. It's, it's not realistic. <laughs> so, I, I get it. I mean, and, until I can, until I can comfortably get away of playing Destiny while I'm on the toilet, I don't think I'm ever going to make it in that game. So I'm enjoying it for what it is. I'm enjoying it for the sort of the new weapons, there's some new activities, there's some new bits and pieces, there's a new lore. Jump in a couple of hours a week, I think. It's not going to be a... I'm not going to take it seriously anymore. That's the way I'm looking at this now. I don't want this to take a drain. I don't want this to be the reason I turn bald or get fatter. <laughs> I don't want this to be any of these reasons. If anything, I want the stress to make me thinner. But I don't think that's happened. It hasn't happened over the last couple of seasons. Therefore, in this case, I am just going to go in, play it for a bit, and then go. I'm enjoying it. You should try it, Shane. No, I'm not reinstalling it. Just have fun. Um, just have fun. Just have fun. Just have fun. No, and, and the, fi- <laughs> like, the thing is, 
because of how like I I you I mean you guys have played games with me for long enough now. Um you guys have both know what my my level of quality in video games is low. It's I'm happy to admit that. <laughs> I'm not a good gamer. I never have been. There were some games that I excel in, JRPGs for example, I know I can do extremely well in them, but you put me in an FPS and I will most often be one of the bottom of the scoreboard. I know that. I've never claimed to be anything other than that. Um I don't ever ask to be carried. I don't ever ask someone to, to do it for me. I just go in and have fun. And like, so I've obviously been dabbling in Battlefield 5 since it's gone on to PlayStation Plus, And I can do that in Battlefield 5 and be happy and come bottom of the scoreboard and not have an issue. I can't do that with Destiny. It makes me too angry. The bullshittery makes, it, makes me too frustrated. Um, and if I'm going to, dip in and out of games i need to like i need either two things to come out of it i either need to feel like i'm making some level of progress um or i need to be having fun and right now destiny is not giving me either of those yeah i kind of agree with that just in general shooting games like multiplayer if you're not having fun you need you need to be like progressing like cod does a good job of telling you that you're progressing (laughs) even if Mm. you're fucking getting wasted every game I think it's the same reason why we don't really play Siege anymore. Because, again, you're either going in and just getting your ass handed to you every five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So you're not having fun, but you're also not making any progress on anything. So you, there's just, just nothing There's nothing to aim for. And at the same time, you're just getting your ass handed to you every five seconds. That's why Battlefield is the perfect shooter, because it does all of that. Battlefield is the perfect shooter. It really because is. Because it's... Like, it's 64v64 set in World War Two. If I'm, like, it's fucking chaos. I don't care if I die in that game, because a lot of the time I don't even know where the bullets are coming from. It's just fucking <laughs> chaos. You can run around a corner and just see a tank and be like, ah, oh, I've screwed up. Right? Like, it's, there's no, with Battlefield, it doesn't matter how good you are. You can still fuck up massively in that. Like, we play with, obviously, Aaron all the time, and he still dies a lot. Because that is the nature of Battlefield. Yeah. Like, you're just wrong place, wrong time, you're fucked. Whereas it feels like with Destiny, when you die in Destiny, a lot of it is on your is your fault for the way that you've played. You've not played yeah, well yeah. enough. You've not read the situation well enough. You can't necessarily read the situations in Battlefield because it's just a fucking clusterfuck. <laughs> anyway, I mean, Ryan, the good, the good thing is, I guess, to that? I guess, yeah, I fully agree. I mean, the good thing on the Battlefield stuff is it is it's it's mindless to a certain degree. And I'm actually looking forward to it. It's not part of the news today, but I'm looking forward to the fact that next month we will start seeing more in Battlefield because there are announcements yes. coming. Next, yeah, that's next true. Um, yeah, they've been talking about Battlefield long, 6, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, lots of like, hints and rumours and shit. And mm. I just really hope it's like 3 and 4. Like, more of that, please, because that was fucking the best game. I think that's the hint, isn't it? That it's yeah. going back to the modern warfare style of... Battlefield 4. It's going to be Battlefield 6, so it's going to be called Battlefield 4 plus 2. This could be one of the first <laughs> ones where they add like a plus or a sum or a yeah. maps into the, into the title. <laughs> Battlefield 4 plus That's 2. That's the twist this go. year, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, cool, I mean, yeah. after, after that salty um, outburst by me, uh, should we move on to Mass Effect? <laughs> Let's move on to Mass Effect because I think, I think, as I said, it was a very much a shit sandwich. Five yeah. of them. Amazing game. I didn't even uh, know if you had... enjoyed it or anything. <laughs> it was just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... love, love five of them. 
10 solid minutes uh, of, of Shane ranting about Destiny. Very much a, a Shane monologue at this point. Um, as, as, long, as long as you had fun, right? It's the, it's the trigger, you know, it's just to get, just to get Shane talking more than anything else. Yeah. All right. T- you know, TLDR, I enjoy Destiny. I'll keep playing it. I'm not going to rage and uninstall it like some. Um, Quiz. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm also not going to get all this. Uh, because because a lot of my time now is going to be taken up with Mass Effect, which, um, and I think we we touched upon it on Twitter. Like, I put that game in. I was like, you know what? I'm looking forward to this. And then that music kicked in, and it that was it. I w- I was yeah, yeah. back. I was yeah. back to like 2007. I was like, oh my god, it's 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 music I haven't heard since. And this is before we even start talking about the game itself. Like the whole thing, it just, it just brought me back. And I mean, I've not played them much. I've played like five, six hours. I've just got the Normandy. I'm I'm just about to sort of head out into the wide world, and it's amazing just how much of it I remember, and how much of it feels natural. The first the first game itself feels clunky as hell. Yeah, um, it's it's still the first game, and it's yeah. a very old game now. It's very yeah. clear that it's like clunky, but they did do a good job of polishing it to a standard where it's playable now like not that it wasn't playable before but it was very dated back then like if you played it they've now done... it's you can see you know yeah. you can see you can see it like they've dragged it into sort of the 2010s as opposed to the 2020s really is what yeah. they've done yeah, but you yeah. know it, it it doesn't look the greatest but you know the story that's coming i mean and you know uh, for you know for anyone that is listening that has never played it and this is their first go into it please like i implore you stick at it because like mass effect one has such a good story but it builds into something that's so much greater from two and three and we've spoken about this mike i cannot wait i cannot wait for two yeah, yeah i'm so excited for two and three yeah. as well like three was great yeah. i was i wasn't on board with this like change the whole ending because i didn't like it i was just like that's the ending that's fine that's their creative choice whatever yeah, um, yeah, I had that view when I originally played it. Yeah, it was um, like, uh, three was sick. I love three; <laughs> like it was great. Yeah, but, um, yeah two I mean, is where it really you... all like comes together, and it's yeah, yeah. Two yeah, is by far the best. Then, like, what was that? Sorry, how much of this have you played? Um, so I'm roughly ten, fifteen hours in. Um. I've I kind of got most of the crew together, if not all of the crew actually now. Um, and when you start getting some of the crew members and you're like, these are the fucking boys, you know, <laughs> let's jump in the Mako and let's go. Like when you get when you get when you get Garrus and then um, Tally as well. Who doesn't love Garrus? Garrus, Garrus, what a, what an absolute lad. Um, absolute. Yeah, and you get like Tally and stuff, and I'm like, these are like like old friends you know what i mean it's, it really hit that nostalgia beat definitely it's like um it's like what's that um the sean pegfield end of the world is it the end of the world where they will go back to the pub yeah, all those yeah. old friends that come back to do at world's thing. end yeah at, at world's end, that's it yeah it's that sort of Money. sort of reunion and this is kind of just go through it this is this is it this is life yeah how, how is the <laughs> mako mako Okay. Um, it's it's not too bad. It's it's still still clunky. Like the whole game's still clunky, but it's I feel like they've definitely polished it up. Yeah, and it's it's been 
so long since I played Mass Effect, the, the first one. Um, but I, I kind of look at it through rose-tinted glasses now, and it's like, this was it was always this good. Like, they've obviously polished some things up, but it's been so long that I've forgotten a lot of it. And I've forgotten a lot of, like, the story beats and stuff like that. Um, so it's still, f it's fresh enough for me to be like, this is a brand new game that I'm playing almost. So, so, um, so I was the Mako, discussing, the Mako feels pretty good. <laughs> so I was discussing this with, um, with Ryan just before we started recording that like, so I've got serious FOMO at the moment because I haven't got this game and I really want it. Um, uh, but I honestly cannot remember one. All I can remember is that that driving element. I cannot remember any of the story beats to one. I can't remember. I cannot remember like the at all any part of one. All I can remember is that driving a bit. Um, but what I do remember from two is this was, and this is why I've got one of the. This, I think this is why Mass Effect has such a fond um, spot in my mind. Mm. Is one of the first games I remember where you can be like where you've got that decision making element to it of being like good and or good or bad um and i remember that yeah. i was just being an absolute dick in it <laughs> yeah I, I mean i always kind of struck a weird sort of middle ground where i'd be like a dick to one person and then you know yeah. an absolute hero to another because it's just like mass effect does a really good job of making you care about it's npcs and characters and stuff yeah i always found that like i was always really good to my crew but anybody like anybody in the game no matter what position they held no matter who they were like npc wise hmm. if they had tried to screw over me or my crew i would automatically go to like full murder mode <laughs> <laughs> be like no you try to screw us over you're going down yeah yeah but it's like so is it yeah it's interesting when you say this as well because you think of this in relation to when you first played it. You know, it was, and I've just been, while you've been speaking, I've been doing some maths, very, very basic maths. But when Mass Effect 1 came out, I was 16. I'm turning 30 next month. You know, mm. Fable is the other one that I hold in high standards in terms of that kind of, that, that, that morality system. And that was 2004. So that would have been, what, three years prior. So I would have been 13, 14 at the time. You know, Mass Effect, you're right, it gave you that ability to be almost mature and to start thinking about um, your your consequences, but also the complete reverse at the same time where you go, fuck consequence. Like, honestly, I could do whatever I like. Yeah. I could be a complete dick and let's see what this consequence actually has. And I actually find that when it comes to playing this game, because I remember it so fondly, I question the wisdom of my 16 year old self <laughs> when, I, when I was playing it as you uh, naturally yeah. probably should <laughs> and, yeah as you said like 16 year old ryan was such a dick like honestly <laughs> like, what? so wise at 16 that was that was borderline genocide ryan come on like, well, yeah. this, is, this is what i was going to say unlike unlike a lot of other games that have like a choice system mass effect for me from and this is purely on my memory had um, it was one of the first games that I remember, and maybe still one of the only games with a choice system that I remember that has like some real impactful things that are ma that matter and happen because of your, for example, as you just said, there's an element of 
a genocide mm. that is solely down to your decision as to whether that happens or not um, yeah. and the decisions that you make. And a lot of other games of a morality system, yeah, that dictates whether you're good or evil and you might get some different abilities or how NPCs deal with you. Uh, but there's very few games that touch on a point where you kill an entire race yeah. simply yeah. because of your choices. What What's but great also, about Mass Effect is, is um, sorry, Ryan, to cut you off, but I need no, to speak about okay. this. Is um, What's great <laughs> about Mass Effect is that your choices in the first one, although you don't think the story is as good in the first one as it is in the second one, but all of those choices that you make in the first one matter in the second one. And I think that's mm. why the second one is so great, because you're like, oh, shit, I did do that, and, like, now I'm fucking paying for it because this character's like, you know, hates me or loves me or whatever, you know, like your choices and really it, do matter. And that was the first game that, that I remember of like, you know, 18 year old self um, at the time was like, holy shit, you know, these two games are like connecting together. And like, I've never seen that before in a game where. Have we seen it since? I don't think there has been another game that's done that, has there? Because all three is... games link. Like yeah. every decision matters across all three games, and I don't yeah. think we've seen another game do anything like that yet. No. Mm. And this is what I was going to say was that you know we are now we've now been given the ability to look at everything retrospectively because we would do we were making decisions in two thousand seven for Mass Effect One in isolation from Mass Effect One. You know, in Mass Effect Two, you're making these decisions maybe based off of what you've done in Mass Effect One. But it's still in isolation because you don't know what's to come in the future. Yeah. In Mass Effect 3, you know that you've had, you're the accumulation of everything that's happened in 1 and 2, and you are where you are. But that's over like a five, six year period. Yeah. You know, it, but now we have the ability to look back at it and go, and go holy shit, there are, there are things that you do in Mass Effect 1 that impact 3 and skip 2. I was watching videos on this where there were things that, there are things that you can do in the first game that are completely ignored in the second and then mm. come back in in the third, which is That's incredible. incredible, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the scope and, of that and, is and, insane. Like, yeah. It, you know, so cool. Obviously, when they built this, there wasn't the, you know, I, I can't imagine the plan in Mass Effect 1 was that they were, um, you know, that they were looking at kind of, okay, well, number three, we're going to do this or this will have that impact. But it's that Fable had this very clear cut I'm going to kill this person. I'm going to save this person. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be bad. You know, obviously, whatever. Not, not relative to the actions I just said. Whereas in Mass Effect, your decisions, they're grey. There are the Paragon. There are the Renegade. But then there are decisions that in between could impact things that you don't even consider further down the line. Yeah, and that's totally. the beauty of it. I think, I think we now have the ability to play through what is five, six years worth of games in... I mean, I, I, I don't think ever one sitting, but, you know, you could sit over, you do over a couple of months back to back using the same save and the same character. And you can actually see all these permutations. And we could, we, you know, we could have a podcast in, let's say, October. And our stories could have diverged so much more than the original, our original trilogy, but also so much because of just how much we found. And that, that blows my mind. Yeah. Um, I love it. Considering that, um, so Mass Effect, let's say like 2009, 2010, and whenever the third one came out, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's like 10 years ago, mm. essentially, we had 
Mass Effect doing this, doing making these, having these overarching stories that would affect the next game and the next game and would have clear impacts. Um, and it's it's exactly the same as what obviously Marvel's been doing with its cinematic universe in things that have occurred in earlier films have had an effect on later films. Um, I'm surprised we haven't seen more companies attempt you to know, do this. I think the um, The Witcher did it, but I don't, yeah, I, nobody ever the played Witcher fucking did. The Witcher Two, did they? Come on, let's face it. The Witcher did do it. You're right. Yeah. I think there were. I think you could, you could answer questions. I think about events in the second game, which yeah. would determine the sort of the outcome. Which I think you could do at the start of Mass Effect Two, because am I right in thinking that? Yeah, Mass that one, the... two and three were on PlayStation. Yeah, right? you had the comic strip at the beginning of two where you yeah. could play out the. But like, why are we? Why don't we see it in uh, more of the the bigger titles? I think it's because in this day and age, I don't think that there is a commitment enough from businesses and, and brands to back a franchise for that long, and to and to have the confidence that in an RPG that you're going to be able to have a a consistent period, yeah, of you know, because you know by doing that, if you say that you know you are committing to a trilogy. And you're committing to a trilogy that follows one character that is completely player created all the way through mm. to the end and there's it there's something bad about there's something bad about creating a franchise and not finishing it and you know killing it halfway through there's something worse about having that player create a character that they get emotionally attached to that whose story never ends yeah do you know what i mean and i think that there's probably a, an element of apprehension to commit to that that commitment that fucking firefly all over again isn't it? exactly <laughs> and I, I could i could be well cynical about that you know that could be me being very cynical but i think that what bioware have done and what they have learned very clearly with andromeda <laughs> is you know but you, we, you have we, to manage that we also have to remember and we laugh about Andromeda because although actually once they fixed all the bugs, it was actually a very good game. Um, the, the, what we have to if, remember, if, though. I just want to say that if the Mass Effect train just keeps rolling, I'm, I'm super hyped. And then I get to the third one, I'll pick up Andromeda. I'll definitely play through it. Yeah. And what, I, what I was going to say, though, is we do need to remember that we often talk about and well, I mean, we've done it here with um, with mass effect and i know we've done it in the past when we talk about we've spoken about spy skyrim and and other franchises and like big ongoing titles that we've spoken about on podcasts before and we have to remember that we say bioware but the bioware of 2010 that made mass effect 2 which was the best mass effect no longer exists that bioware isn't the name bioware is there but the people that made that game don't aren't there anymore um, the creative directors, the developers—they've all moved on to other, other games, other companies. Um, the team that was there ten years ago is a very, very different team to what it is now. And I think we often forget that. We're like, oh, well, Bioware should make something as good as they did then. Yeah, but they're different people. Yeah, I think that stands with a lot of studios as well. Like, yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. Like we talk about um, Bethesda and all the mistakes that they make over the years, and. All the studios, like we look back and go, oh yeah, but they made Mass Effect too, and that's fantastic. Why is it not? Why was Andromeda not as good as that? And it's like, well, it's a completely different team. 
just yeah. the studio is the studio. <laughs> nope, it's no, it's no excuse, Shane. It's no excuse. I mean, I think it's a fairly reasonable one, <laughs> to be honest. But then they've got the. I mean, not for how Mass Effect Dramada was. They've got Mass Effect Four coming, haven't they? They've announced. Yeah, the the un, un, untitled game, isn't they? Which is well, we know it's 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 got Liara in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So is that, is that not? Is that not? Um, have they not brought some of the old team back from like one, two, three? Yes, I believe yeah. some of, but the obviously dug, they've not brought up, back the yeah. entire entire team. But there are some elements of the original team back. Yeah, um, so that, but I, I am very like that's exciting because um, that's exciting for me because I'll probably be finished with Mass Effect by the time that game comes out. So yeah, probably. <laughs> this is the thing though is that you start talking about you know, and to your point, Shane, about you know the companies of old that produce the games that we so uh, like really like love and that we sort of so fondly remember, and, and Mass Effect is clearly one of them. Halo have done the exact same thing though. They've been they've been wheeling out their sort of the old school guys that made Halo great. They're coming back for Infinite. You know, what Bungie? They, they, yes, no, no but they're, even they're bringing Bungie back. <laughs> they're bringing Bungie back. I mean, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I but, mean, you know, that's but, the but, only way to save Halo at this point. <laughs> but okay, it's Bungie. I mean, bitch. the way the way you were speaking about Bungie with Destiny a minute ago, I'm not entirely sure Halo is saveable at all, Shane. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> But but even yeah, then, but again, there's something have... about companies that are wanting to, you know, they want to. It's that it's that balance of nostalgia and progression. Is that how do you, how do they balance that? Because Andromeda, for all of its sins, they were trying to push it forward. They and it just was a good weren't game. able to do it. Yeah, they, they just yeah, it, it was. It, it just, was a very it just good game once it was up to what it was expected mm. to be. But this is the and this is the thing we hold. And it, right, I mean, I get it. I know why we do it. We hold a studio to its, in our opinion, best titles. So we hold Bungie to the Halo series when actually the Bungie now making Destiny is a very different team that was making Halo 10, 20 years ago. They say we hold Bioware accountable for a game they made 10 years ago, but it's a completely different team now. Um, mm. I am cons- not concerned about Mass Effect 4. Concerns not the apprehensive is the word I'm looking for, um, about Mass Effect 4, because I do love Mass Effect, much like you guys. Um, the Bioware of now hasn't been doing an, enough to hold my uh, my faith. Anthem, we all know, was a great idea, poorly executed. Yeah. Um, I know I mean... that a lot of people loved Dragon Age Inquisition, Giant mech suits are always think. a great idea, aren't they? But they always are, yeah. Um, but yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition. I know a lot of people love that game. I personally didn't think it was all that. Um, Dragon Age Two was awful, but that's that's starting to go too far back now. Um, and obviously Andromeda, although a very good mate, very good game, quite poorly made initially. Um, so, like, my concern right now is: is the current, right now, Bioware? going to do a good enough job for that franchise because it will be held accountable against its best title which is Mass Effect 2 and that's that's a difficult that's a difficult thing to do isn't it and that's the same problem you have with Halo right the Halos now which are being made by a completely different studio let alone a completely different team are being held accountable against the best Halos which were made by a Bungie mm, so I totally agree and they become a victim of their own success 
that's the thing. Yeah, 100%. As you say, they are they are held they are held accountable to what has come before, even if it wasn't their own work. So, yeah. but you know, back onto Mass Effect, it is. I am loving enjoying. I, I'm loving it. I'm I'm enjoying every minute of it. Um, me too. And hopefully, it carries it's, me through to. It's one, of, it's one of the two games I played this week, and I'm, I'm hooked on it. Like, I'm sending the kids to bed early so I can be like, crack on with it, and you know, get playing it and stuff. So, is it know. because you don't want to? Have, you don't want to be sort of romancing and putting the moves. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm visiting the console, and I'm like, yeah, this might be a bit, uh, you know, a bit risky. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for you, kid. <laughs> Go to bed, Dad. It's three o'clock. Go to bed. I say. <laughs> <laughs> do it now <laughs> unless um, you want to have a biology lesson it's time for bed <laughs> so now now that we've covered <laughs> covered that um mike what's your what was your other game on the list this week yeah obviously i've been playing a lot of mass effect but um for one hour a week i promised ellie that we, we will play it takes two and those have been like the best hours of my week like Honestly, just this game is fucking incredible. It, it it's from the the same people who made the Prison Break game, whatever it's called, uh, a way out. Oh, was it a way out? Way yeah, out, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which was a pretty good game, to be fair. It was good. Yeah, um, and me and Ellie played it, and we we just never finished it. It wasn't. It didn't grab us. But same. This, this game got the fucking hooks in. It's it's like so, it, it, it's almost like every Disney Disney Pixar you know, film just all smashed into one. And it's about um, these two parents who are getting a divorce. Um, and they basically get turned into by some kind of strange, unde- un- unexplained magic. They get um, fo- turned into these like weird, creepy voodoo dolls that the daughter's just keeping. Like the daughter just has these voodoo dolls of her, of her parents. Like, so there's, there's some very like deep issues here <laughs> that are like <laughs> you know they they do explore it and they they do go into it like the the story's been really really solid and um but the gameplay is just so fun as well like on top of it it's just it's just so much fun it's just an absolute joy to play um, I was just about to say right and this sounds like the perfect game for you to play with your daughter but then uh, when he said. Yeah parent voodoo dolls she doesn't need any ideas just putting that out there <laughs> it's also one of these things where i i had the exact same thought i was like you know what it would be great for me and really to sit down and play and then i started to look into it i was like it's about two parents that are getting a divorce yeah and yeah. are only like reanimated <laughs> because of the sadness of their daughter or their, their kid i'm sitting yeah, there yeah. going i mean so- i don't want to say like Millie, do you want to be the mum or the dad that's really fucked up at this point? <laughs> <laughs> which, role do you, which, which role do you want to take? Uh, you know, as a seven-year-old, it's a little bit too much responsibility to put on her. So I, yeah. I've kind of held it off. I mean, bug snacks enough is enough for her, which I'm kind of worried for her getting to the end because that's dark enough. I don't want to have to like give her another game where she could be like questioning just like adult relationships and shit it's, it's too soon <laughs> yeah, i've not so, got the emotional scope at the moment <laughs> yeah it, it it does get it does get real deep into like parental issues and stuff like that it really does but the gameplay is so so light and fun and and like there's moments where you're like in a in a plane and you're like the squirrels attacking you and you you have to shoot them with this like 
Um, it's like nectar gun or something like that. And it's just so, it's such an absolute joy. But then your parents are getting divorced all along. So it's like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of sad. But <laughs> You can have as much fun as you like, but it's all going to be shit at the end. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but, um... I mean, is it... Is it fun though? Is it a fun, enjoyable game? I mean, does it does it lead into that kind of emotional charge stuff at all? Or could you ignore that and enjoy just the gameplay itself? Or I mean, or how it, they're very, very much linked. You know, there's dialogue throughout where they're sort of like, oh, you, you know, you could have done this better, and and you know, you're a bitch and whatever. But you know, like, um, in those words, <laughs> like, yeah, they were my words. I was like, <laughs> like to, to Ellie because she played the mum and I played the dad, obviously. And I was like, she's a fucking bitch. I hate. And, and Ellie, Ellie was like sticking up for her. I was like, yeah, but he's a lazy fucking slob. Like <laughs> we were like Do getting, you know we were like getting into it, you know, like arguing and and just being like, well, no, your your character's like a bitch and you. Me- opportunity here when you could have played alternative roles to do like the whole sort of role play i know yeah we could have we could have yeah yeah <laughs> but, um, is it a long game i i don't know like I'm, I'm i'm literally taking little sips of it like i'm playing it an hour a week and that's about it like i'm doing one level and then just mm. just leaving it and, and and because i'm enjoying it so much i don't want it to end and i i do know that it is a a relatively short game it's you know it's not a fucking 200 hour rpg you know it's it's not king you know three houses it's not that <laughs> um so we are just taking our time with it and but we look forward to it each week and like i said the gameplay is super fun there's lots to do in a level um and it's it's genuinely funny as well there are a, like a ton of laugh out loud moments and like it I say it takes a lot to make me laugh, but like when it's scripted humor, it's like, yeah, that's not even funny, whatever. But this is, this is like genuinely really good. And there's a lot of funny moments in it. And I definitely recommend playing this with your partner or, you know, just, just maybe just a close friend, but like, (laughs) just, yeah, if you've got, if you've got kids and you've got, you know, a partner, play with your missus, play it with your husband, whatever, you know, it's such a fun game, really enjoying it. Just don't play it with your seven-year-old, or they might think. Yeah, do not, do not play this with your children at all. <laughs> I mean, it, it, adversely though, it's a great way that if you are going for a divorce, maybe you could play for it and then say at the end. By the way, <laughs> this is all <laughs> an educational exercise. <laughs> you know, these just these these really deep topics we'll be discussing yeah, throughout yeah. this twelve-hour game. Uh, well, surprise! I hate to break it to you, but uh, well, yeah. your mum's a bitch. I'm leaving. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I will not be playing with my seven-year-old. I think. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Probably, probably safe not to do that. But I will I'll say, wait, I won't touch my, my one, my one um, initial down take on it was that the the actors, very good voice actors, but initially when you start, it's very like pantomimey, but it it does fade out and it does get better towards the end, and then they start becoming less like. Oh my god, we've turned into these fucking clay people or whatever. And it's it, initially it's very like, yeah, this kind of feels like, you know, a fucking school play or something like that. But um, it does get better towards the end, definitely. But I, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm maybe about five or six levels in, so I don't even know if I'm near the end yet. But it definitely is the story, story wise is definitely getting towards the end. But um, also, conscious of time, but then I guess 
the question I have as well about this game is that the nature of, I mean, who is it that creates it? Is it, um, I can't remember the name of the people. I can't, I can't Obviously, remember. they did the, they did the way out, um, a way out, and they've done, yeah. They've done. How does the multiplayer aspect of it work? Like, does it does it feel intrinsic intrinsically that you two are working together? Because that is obviously the premise of what these guys, uh, Hazelight Studios, that they want That's to it. kind of get into these games. Is yeah, that you know you you, you, can't, you can't play this game solo. Yeah, like you just can't. You need someone else to play it. And the fact that they've how they've implemented that is if you buy the game, somebody else can download the game for free and play with your copy kind of thing, you know, off the back of your copy. So They did that with A Way Out, a way as well, out didn't they? Well, yeah, think, and yeah. It, 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 it's great, you know. That's that's an awesome way of getting two people to play a game together. It's like, I bought this game, let's play it. But, you know, the other person's like, I, you know, I haven't got enough money. No worries, fucking download it for free. Yeah. Like, yes, more of this that. Is a more of that. Super, please. super literal title. It takes yeah. two to get a divorce. It also takes two to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> it does well, take two. It's good. it's good. It's good to know, though, that it's, it plays well together because it's what I think it's one of the things that, especially our generation, that we were used to when we were, you know, we were younger. We, we did a lot of the land gaming. Yeah. We, it was all the split screen stuff. You know, that was all the stuff we, we grew up with. Yeah. And that's faded away in time. And actually, things like It Takes Two, it goes back to that. Yeah, it does. That it was does. just enjoyable, just couch co-op games. It does it so <laughs> you know, well just... as well. Yeah. Um, it also has these moments with the mini games in the level, like you, you can completely float past them and, and just completely ignore them. But there's mini games in the level and some are hidden and some are like super obvious. But you'll, you'll go into it and then it'll put you in a 1v1 type situation in a different mini game. So it'll be like, who can... Um, shoot the most balloons or something like that. There's, there's, there's literally like loads of them throughout the levels, and then it becomes like super competitive, and you're like battling each other. Then where you intrinsically like you work together throughout the whole game, but um, you know it pits you against each other, and and those are like super fun as well. Like especially if you're playing with your partner, where I don't know about the rest of you guys, but with me it's like a super competitive relationship. And um, I've lost every single fucking minigame apart from one, and I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> but this would be one of those things as well where you get to the end of the game and it will turn out that whoever won the more minigames gets, like, the better settlement in the divorce of these two characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope not, because I am. I am. She's getting the dog. She's getting the house. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy taking that doorstop home, like... <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's been fun. So yeah, uh, shame. What have you been playing, dude? Uh, what have you not been playing? Yeah, not Play not Destiny? a lot. Cheeky yeah. bit Destiny with the boys. Well, um, no. Uh, well, essentially, and I, I was telling Mike about this before the show started that des like my fallout with Destiny in the last week or so has completely killed any interest I have in video games right now. <laughs> like it's destiny has just killed it i've got no interest to play anything um or anything that i own at least uh every single game i look at i just look at it and just go oh can't be asked not, not even a bit of lunchtime time crisis i mean i'll be honest i would play a little bit of lunchtime time crisis but i haven't had time with work <laughs> this week it's been full on um literally my time has been 
in crisis mode. I haven't had not had time to think about playing a bit of lunchtime <laughs> time crisis. Uh, hopefully this week I will get a bit of that though. But I just like, I mean, I've got I've got AC Valhalla, which I still haven't completed, and I'd look at it and I'm like, oh, it just feels like a lot of effort. Fucking no one's um, ever completing that game. Let's face it. Ryan has. Um, I've done that. <laughs> Screw you guys. I've done it. <laughs> but um, I just nothing, nothing I own, and like I say, it's just it's completely soured. It's just the whole process with what happened with that game has just left a really sour taste in my mouth with gaming at the moment. Um, so I've not played much to be honest. So I'll be pretty quick on this. But, um, <laughs> I hate one game, so I hate them all. Fuck you, games. <laughs> Literally, um, I have dabbled very, very lightly. Maybe no more than an hour, hour and a half in Wreckfest because it's, it's free. Were you just um, like, oh shit, I've got to do something for this gaming podcast that I uh, partake a, in weekly? <laughs> well, A, yes, and B, <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know what will snap me out of this, and it's just finding a game that grips me. So all the time, so you were in Wreckfest. Well, it's, yeah. it's free, and I currently have no money to buy a new game. So I was like, oh, this is free. I'll give it a whirl because it's simple it meets one of the two categories it's either um progression or fun and i was like will this meet the fun category let's give it a whirl so i gave it a whirl and uh and it is pretty fun actually um i don't think it's got any real longevity in it but i've played a load of aces a load of it just it's a ps5 hd version of destruction derby on playstation one basically no, i just <laughs> Clarify then. So you know where you sent across that video the other day during the week? Mm-hmm. Very, very innocent video before anyone else is listening insinuates anything else. It was a clip <laughs> of of Wreckfest on, for anyone on, the tra- on the tractors. Yes. So the opening race is uh destruction is a it is a destruction derby race, or I say race, it's just a smash fest. Uh but you the first ever race you're on um drivable lawnmowers. Yes. So yeah, that is the first race in the game in the camp in the like career mode, is lawnmowers uh, and you're just smashing each other up. Because um, you sent lot... that across with no context and yeah, and actually that's... no follow up. At no point actually have I even asked what the fuck that was. Um, exactly. I assumed it was this. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's, that's, that's what it was. I um... actually, you know, so it was just lawnmowers battling yeah. each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, and this is where like Wreckfest gets it really right with the fun element. Like, there's some frustrating races in it, like any racing game, but it does do some of the ridiculous fun quite well. Like, it knows it's ridiculous. It doesn't, by any means, um, take itself seriously. Um, and there's so, for example, one of the races is a destruction. It's a survival race on lawnmowers and you're being chased by somebody driving a combine harvester. Um, and then there was another one I did recently, which was a survival race where, you know, the, I don't know what they're called, the freewheeler, like, um, Del Boy car. Reliant Robin. That's the one, Reliant Robin. Uh, you're in a Reliant Robin and everybody else is in American school buses. Um, <laughs> and and it's just it's just ridiculous in that in that sense. Um, and you just go through races, you level up your car, like you unlock stuff, you buy new cars, you can buy different vehicles. I've just unlocked the combine harvester for doing. There was an entire destruction derby where everyone was in combine harvesters, and you just smash the shit out of each other with combine harvesters. 
um, it's like I say, it's dumb, it's fun, and you can literally drop in and do a race in like two minutes and it'll be done. Um, so I've, I've dabbled in that, that a little bit. It's dumb, it's fun, it's quickly done. Well, exactly. Um, I've not tried the multiplayer yet, but it's it's not it's not re lit my passion for gaming, but it's a fun way to fill 20 minutes at the moment when I've got a bit of spare time. Um, cause I have moments where I feel like I should game because I've got the time there and that's what's filling those times at the moment. Um, so that's that. Yeah, that's that. What I have also though, where I haven't been gaming as much, I have watched a lot of TV, watched a lot of different shows, um, for the star Wars fans out there. Bad batch is now out. Which is the good? new Star Wars show on Disney Plus? It's I really good. The, I saw the trailer for this and it looked fucking sick. It looked so good. It's really good. So spoiler free um, for anyone who doesn't know who the Bad Batch are, they are referred to in the Clone Wars, and they're essentially a group of clones, but they are different to other clones. They've got special mutations that give them an edge over other clones they also don't have to follow the same orders as other clones um and it basically just follows them interestingly and what did surprise me is when it's set so it's set it's not set during the clone wars it's set right at the end of the clone wars um as in like within the first few minutes you see them during the order ex- uh, the order 66 execution elements so it kind of takes off straight after order 66 oh that's pretty it, cool i'm in i'm it, in i'm in yeah it gives a really good idea as to sort of like what they were doing um but it interestingly some of the really interesting stuff around it is you see a lot of the empire going to commit because the, their home base is camino obviously this their ex where they were clones um, but you yeah. get to see a lot of why the Empire got rid of the clone army. Like, there's a lot of politics around the Empire, and like, what, and there's a lot of like them testing whether clones are a viable option moving forward for the Empire. Mm. Um, and you get to see them sort of building the Empire up. And there's stuff in it that I never realised from Star Wars, um, like that the Empire does because. Obviously, Mike, I know you've watched all the Star Wars because we've discussed this, and Ryan, I know you have as well, but in the original films, you're just, you're essentially just told the Empire's evil. Yeah. And that's it. You're never re- it's never really explained to you what the Empire is doing to the people that makes them so evil. I mean, you see them blow up a planet, so you know they are evil. <laughs> but like the day-to-day I mean, politics... That, that's about as evil as you can get. <laughs> it is, I mean, but... <laughs> it, it, it... Even at least, isn't it, between good and evil? <laughs> it is, but like the point from the end of the fir- uh, like episode three and the New Hope, you ne- we never really get to see the politics as to what the Empire is doing, planet by planet, to, and why they're hated so much and why there's a rebellion. And it touches on a lot of that. Like um, That's one cool, of the like things, cool touch, yeah. yeah, it's it's really interesting. One of the things they touch on is that you have to um every single citizen in under the empire's like every single planet under the empire's rule every citizen on that planet has to be registered within a data within a data system 
so the empire can keep tabs on every single citizen in existence. Data entries rail right pure street shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it talks about the fit that Big the fact that. Shit. Well, yeah, no, it'd be a massive one. Um, but it talks about the fact so that. So evil. <laughs> it's implied in because uh, in in a new hope, like obviously they go to Han and Han takes them off planet and all that happens, and then you, you never really it never really explains as to why they need to leave why they go to a smuggler to get off planet it's just oh they need a ship and they haven't got one yeah um, but what you learn in this is actually that the empire monitors every single piece of traffic off on and off of planets so every single person has to be registered to be able to leave a planet and it's their way of controlling everyone and you get to learn a lot of like these little things that yeah. star wars has never really like I, addressed i feel like i feel like it's only ever implied in the in the the original trilogy yeah. where it's like you know, we, we might get this through this blockade, we might not, you know. Exactly. Whereas this, like, really kind of explains the ins and outs. So mm. it's on episode three or three, four now. Three, I think, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, the first episode's an hour. Then they, they drop down to 30 minutes after that. But I would definitely, if, you, if you're a Star Wars fan, it'll be right up your street. If you're so, so... like myself and Mike, who I, and you're, sick of the jedi stuff but you're interested in the wider universe i'm gonna say I'd i was just gonna say like how how star warsy is it you know is it um is it mandalorian the... or is it you know jedis and <laughs> shit it's more mandalorian and out of the three episodes so far i have seen uh the grand total of two jedis and they were on screen for no more than 10 minutes out of two hours worth of footage that'll do so yeah, the the Jedi's are <laughs> they're they're spoken about a lot, but they're not. They like, don't, don't focus. Yeah, I don't mind that, but like you know. Yeah, there's there's no none of the key characters are Jedi's. No, um, they're good. they're all because that the whole group is clones, um, and it just yeah, focuses yeah. in as them as clones, um, and it's got it it follows that much like um, almost like a kids' TV show in a, in a sense that each episode has its own story for that episode but there's that yeah. overarching story yeah, um, yeah so it's very like each one feels a little bit self-contained but you know there's this bigger overarching story much like the mandalorian did like each episode yeah, was, yeah. had its own little self-contained monster of the week sort of situation um yeah but yeah it's, it's star wars as a series could do that really well as well yeah definitely and and yeah i mean i'm enjoying what i've seen so far i definitely mm. give it a shout um, and it's an interesting look at the clones as well and again how the clones work and the reason because again we all know what order 66 is and it's implied as to how order 66 was given but it's never really explained as to why not why order 66 we know why but um how it like works so well yeah. so they talk about a lot about how the clones physically cannot refuse an order and stuff like that um, oh, it's like built into their genetics that they physically cannot yeah, refuse yeah. an order because that's always been my biggest question is, well, why are all these clones just following this order without yeah. ever being like, none of them are turning around going, well, this is fucking weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, it addresses a lot of that as well as the fact that they physically can't, they are genetically built to follow the orders of their highest ranking officer and their highest ranking officer is the emperor. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely worth a, worth a shout. So if you're into Star Wars, I'd give it a whirl. If you're not, I'd um, and you like the Mandalorian, give it a whirl, basically. Just um, and while we're on the back of 
some some Netflix and 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 chill mm. type type shit. Uh, Castlevania season f- four is it? Yeah, season yeah, four. yeah, season four is out, and that, that yes. was that was news to me recently. And I'm I'm usually like pretty hot on when shit comes out, but it's out, mate. Just in case, <laughs> I'm, I've watched I've watched nine of ten. I've not seen any yet, so that, that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. It's uh, it's very good. It, yeah. it definitely doesn't it doesn't drop the pace from where it's been. Uh, yeah, it still it still feels a bit like flighty. There's a couple of stories going on at the same time, but to be honest, mm. the combat is there. Like the, the animation is there. It's it's a very enjoyable so little good. romp to watch in the background. So yeah. it's it's definitely on my backlist. And I'm, and I guess I'm as well so in, that, in love. I'm so in love with Cypher. I'm just putting that out there. I mean, you need to you need to clear for it pretty quickly because I think that landed on Thursday. So Castlevania landed on Thursday. Now, if I remember correctly, is it Love, Sex, and Robots? Whatever it's called, it's already landed. Love, death, and robots. Yeah. Love, death, and robots. Not that, sex. That was my next. That was the next thing I was going to mention. That that is out as well. That is, so that is like, also out. Oh, I'm yeah, so excited again, about this shit, man. I fucking it's love... on my list because there's just so much to watch at the moment. Have you have you um, not have you not seen the first season? Love Death and Robots. Well, I've loved it. Yeah, yeah. I watched oh, right, it. Okay. I think I watched yeah, it like the really same good. couple of days you did. Cause I remember speaking to you about it. Yeah. yeah. But um, I just there's just I, I cannot recommend it enough. It's so fucking good. Love Death and Robots. This is we've, we've moved on from Castlevania now. We're in Love Death and Robots yeah, now. Just. There's just so much at the moment, like between Castlevania, I love different robots. Let's say you've got Bad Batch just come out. Um, but then as well, you've got Army of the Dead. That's Army of the Dead's on its way. That's in what, like five days from yeah. recording? So when this lands, actually, I believe... That should be out. It Disney should be is, out in two days. So, Disney yeah. is still knocking out um, some solid shows at the moment, like the Ducks is still got two more episodes left we've got loki coming what is it next month um a if you're into it that's the 9th yeah. of june now isn't it so that's not far off really um i know i mean i know that a lot a lot of our listeners aren't aren't interested but for those that are into anime like the anime season this month is like this at this spring season is absolutely insanely good <laughs> i've been so up. wrapped up in anime at the moment yeah, I mean, Castlevania is about pleasing. as anime as I get. Um, but you know, yeah, there's, there's, I was. There's all this. I, there's all the shit that's come out, like Castlevania, Love, Death, and Robots. I, the one thing that I've watched three times already, and it's only been out like a few weeks, maybe a week or so, is Mitchell versus the Machines, and it's so uh, fucking uh, yeah. good, man. I, I haven't watched that. that yet. Is it? Oh, is, so it's good, is it? Mate, yeah. What? Watch it with your daughter because it's it's so good. Yeah. This is and this, they've finally added Mortal Kombat to uh, Amazon Prime to rent. Okay. You can find it, you finally rent, yeah, the new one. Um, oh, it's nice. now rentable in the UK um, oh, on nice. Amazon Prime, fifteen ninety nine to rent. So I need to see that as well now. It's just too much. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. There was, Mike, there was an anime I was going to actually bring today to discuss with you guys. I told Ryan about it the other day, and then I thought, no, it's probably best not to, because it's really fucking dark. So we'll save that for another day. Yeah, but we're anyway. not Wonder Egg today. <laughs> no. But anyway, um, we've been talking about what we've been playing for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into our next topic, because otherwise we're going to have a very long episode. And I do have work tomorrow. Um, let's do it. So, let's go for a long one. 
our <laughs> topic this week. Yeah, but I know, but I also have a partner who's trying to going to be trying to sleep pretty soon. Um, so our topic this week is: Do you find games emotional, like you would a film? I'm gonna I'm gonna pose all the questions to you in one, so we can just have an open discussion about this. What for you is the most emotional part of a game that you've played? Like, what's your specific emotional elements to games? How does the length of a game compared to a film allow you to build emotional bonds with the characters differently? Does the fact that you are taking an active part in the story change how you feel about the story or characters? Does that change make it more or less emotional? Ryan, we'll start with yourself. There's a lot to this digest feels, here, man. This, <laughs> yeah. This, this, yeah, this feels like the sort of the task that a uh, like an English English teacher would give you <laughs> yeah. as a as a task. Like, please explain in two thousand words or less. <laughs> where, <laughs> where do I start? I mean, do I find games emotional like I would a film? I find games more emotional than films. Absolutely, hundred percent agree with that. Like. Yeah. The only the only emotion, and I, and I guess if you're going to be pretentious about this, the only emotion that I find I get more from films than do games is horror. I do not do horror films well. Anything else, I find an emotional attachment to games significantly. Like you... it, it, it gels a lot hard, like a lot easier for See, me. I I kind of disagree with you on on the horror thing, but I'll, I'll talk about that when it gets to, to my to my shout. The only, the only reason that is, I guess, in that respect, is because, and it comes back to that element of control, is that in a film, in a horror film in particular, you have zero control. You are mm. the mercy of the character that's doing it. So yeah. even if you, everything you, you know, they're going into a room, turn the light on, turn the light on, turn the light on. They don't turn the light on and they get stabbed in the throat. You're like, well, okay. I mean, Don't I be. would have turned the light on. <laughs> or I would have done something else. In a horror game, it, it, a horror game, will it, it creates that, that sense of horror. You still have that fear, but you also have that sense of control. Yeah. More, more control. Like, to, It's still scripted, but you still have that more control. Which is why the reason I wanted to call that horror moment is the reason because yeah. this was one of the ideas that i was thinking and i want to go straight to the reason why i i thought of this topic have you played i don't know Shane, you have mike have you played kingdom hearts the, the you're talking about the first one the first one yeah yes but i don't think i ever finished it i, I never got, i never finished it either you never finished I got, it either i think i got very very close to the end like literally last boss and i, I, I just couldn't do it so so the reason the reason for me is because whenever I speak to people about emotional games, it covers off all of your questions here, Shane. So the long story short for Kingdom Hearts is that you play Sora, you go for you know you've been separated from your best friend and then your love interest, you know, as 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 much of a love interest as you can as like a twelve year old boy. <laughs> you get separated from these guys, you get sucked off into a hole. Excuse the expression and. You spend the entire game trying to find these guys. You fight through all of this shit. You drag yourself through all of this, like, literal darkness, evil. You go through this story. You get basically killed. You come back. You spend this entire game trying to find your best friend and your love interest. And at the end, you find your best friend. And, no, right, okay, spoilers, by the way, for anyone else that's here. If anyone wants to do it, I'm going to do spoilers for 30 seconds. I think, I think, back. 
I think this whole section might get spoilery. That's just a um, warning. I mean, when we're doing spoilers, though, like looking at the list, there's very few games on here that I think are spoiler relevant. For in- Kingdom Hearts 1 has been out for like 20 plus years. This is very true. <laughs> still, anyone, I mean, yeah. at this point, like, at, <laughs> they there has to be a cutoff. <laughs> if it's a game that's come out in the last four, three or four years, reasonable. Spider-Man, for example, reasonable. Kingdom Hearts Fine. 1, unreasonable. Spoil away. Just, I mean, for me, though, it still, it still stands out. You spend this entire game, you invest all this time trying to find your best friend and your love interest. You find your best friend, and he locks himself behind the door into a realm of permanent darkness. Fuck. Okay, fine. Oh, look, there's your love interest. That's as soon mate. as you meet your love interest, like, the land disappears, and you get separated, and she gets moved away again, off into some world unknown, and you can't then find her again. Been there, and then it gets, Been there. And then the game stops. Oh, I know. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm my entire emotional team, like, all the girls would find all the excuses they could to leave me, but... You know, it's like one of these things where you sit there, you've done this entire game, and there's this one very poignant moment, and he's reaching out, and she's reaching out, and I was like, fuck. And that was when I was in my, like, 14, 15, 16-year-old emo yeah. phase. So, obviously, I was very <laughs> pent up. I was, I, was, I, was, I was going through puberty. Everything kind of hit me. <laughs> and... But it really struck with me. And ever since then, for me, I've always found that there are is the longer you spend with these characters and the longer you invest yourself in their journey, mm. the more it resonates. Even if it's not something that you necessarily share as a like as a personal view. Do you know what I mean? Because you are invested in that entire journey. Yeah, you can definitely understand people's plights like the longer time you spent with them, like you understand their motives and the reasons for doing things and and then mm. that's probably why it resonates yeah but the one thing i would say then is in reflection i've played that game recently i wasn't nearly as emotionally moved mm. but i found that my personal circumstance and the way i've grown up obviously impacts on how i see games as as like emotionally so things like the last of us i played that when that first came out and the start of The Last of Us is very powerful. <laughs> There's a clearly very emotional mm. bit in the first sort of hour, which that, I think stands up for most people. Every time I replay that game, that that initial beginning section is like heart wrenching for me because yeah, I, I, I have two like two daughters, and it's just like, I, and that was it. And that was giving me my question was that it was heart wrenching when I first played it, and then you know once my daughter came in, and you know you know I have a daughter and in our life. Mm. When I played through that again, because ahead of The Last of Us 2, I played through that The Last of Us first. And that hit me so much harder the second time than it did oh, the yeah. first time. Yeah, I agree. And it's like and I yeah. think it's because you have you it, you know, they've done a great job of building this this character and writing the story. And, you know, even from such, you know, you're not emotionally bonded. You shouldn't be emotionally bonded to this character really, because you don't know her. You've not yeah. spent much time with them. You, you play as it for like two, three, like ten minutes yeah. or something, isn't it? It's not. It's not long. But so just... I, I just want to interject here because I both agree and disagree with some of the points you've just made. Um, and this is just my own personal opinion. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Um, looking at taking taking from Kingdom Hearts and The Last of Us. 
one of the things that I find is I I I hundred percent agree. Games can be and are often more emotional than film. In fact, I don't think I can name a film that has made me physically cry, whereas I can name a couple of games that have made me physically cry. Mm-hmm. Um, outside please, of anime, please, I can name do. about a million please. animes that have made me cry. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me some, tell me some games that have made you cry. Well, like, I've never seen you cry, Shane. <laughs> oh, mate! If you want to see me cry, just come around and we'll watch an like anime makes me cry. Like Star Wars: Fallen Order. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean that was quite De- different Destiny way. Two. <laughs> Um, but like <laughs> live action films never make me cry. Anime or like new always games sometimes. But anyway, mm. get away from my tears. Um, so the what I find with games is for, for me a game like Kingdom Hearts, I don't find as emotional. And the reason for that is when you compare it to a game like um, I mean some of the games that have really hit me emotionally. Obviously, Last of Us, both of them. Um, the Walking Dead, the Telltale one. Life is Strange, the first Life is Strange, not the future ones, so I didn't play those. Um, even the, the first, like, Tomb Raider reboot, I can't remember what it was called off the top of my head. Um, and that the reason for that is, I, Kingdom Hearts has, um, partic- I mean, I can't remember too much of the first one, but definitely when I think about the second one, the more I think there is an element of the longer you spend with a character, yes, you become obviously emotionally attached to them, but there can be an element of spending too long with a character that, it, that you then become numb to it, especially if the nature of the gameplay is very repetitive and continuous or you're, um, or there's like a heavy leveling up feature. So Kingdom Hearts for me, because there's just so many like, mini battles in between the big emotional points i don't find that game as emotional as something like last of us where every single piece of combat you get involved in feels like it's been scripted into the story perfectly and feels like it's there for a purpose um and i find that that for me changes it massively Mm. as to whether i find it as emotional or not i think if they if if Last of Us was a hundred-hour third-person shooter with just random missions in between where you just had to kill clickers to rack up scores to be able to unlock the next area, even if it had the same story but it was just dragged along a hundred hours with loads of shitty gameplay in between, yeah, I wouldn't find it nearly as emotional. I feel like... So for you, it's the immersiveness, then. It's the fact that you are able to... Can continually feel that plight and not have that experience interrupted. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's, it, it's. I think it's difficult to find, to feel like super emotional for a character that's like gone from level one to level one hundred and can one hit a boss. Mm. Um, as opposed to when you think about like Joel and Ellie, in The Last of Us, or more so. Um, Telltale's Walking Dead, which is also now very old, so I am going to spoil the ending if you've never played it, but Telltale's now been shut down, so, you know, should have played it when it came out. <laughs> um, but the, the end of that game, where you've spent, you've spent this entire game as this adult male who just happens to come across a very young child, and you're basically looking after her as your own child, and then for your character to 
ultimately make the ultimate sacrifice for this child that you literally met not a month ago in this in game time but again everything you do felt relevant mm. um and you're just i think like they like say there there is that immersion element but it's the fact that your character still feels human and still feels um just like an act like just like anybody else whereas i don't feel that from sora who can travel back and forth to and from planets and fight 5,000 heartless at once without breaking a sweat. His shoes are too big for me to feel any kind of emotion towards him. Yeah, no, exactly. You know what, you, you know what they're saying about? <laughs> the size of a man's shoes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, big, uh, big shoes, big heart. Big, big socks, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think as well, though, to be fair, it is, and it comes down to the fact that it's, it's, it's of the time as well, isn't it? It's, it's the when you play these games. You are you you generally go into these with a certain mindset or a certain experience or a certain level of maturity. I don't find Kingdom Hearts One nearly as moving playing it now or when I play it. I think I played it when did Kingdom Hearts Three come out? A couple of years ago now. Yeah, twenty sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, I played through one and two ahead of that, and it was yeah, it was touching, but it wasn't. It was nowhere near as emotional. And I think that sometimes you know. The, the experience should be encouraging you to, you know, you should feel this as emotional. You know, if you are feeling you're in your particular emo phase where I had my long straightened hair and I was, you know, very in touch with my all of my all of my feelings, maybe I was a bit more primed. But it's always stuck with me as it's quite an emotional moment. But is that, that say, for me? It's that. Almost... But I, I, I never considered the game. I never considered what you said in terms of the fact that you have such a um fractured narrative and yeah exactly that because like so you get i mean i'm just gonna make up a game where at the beginning your loved ones get snatched away from you and then it's a hundred hours of completely irrelevant to that storyline battles that happen for you to then finally get the cookie at the end of that storyline that ties in with the hundred hours ago you've kind of become numb to what happened at the beginning of the game by the time you get the outcome if that makes sense yeah yeah i think games are in a position where they are better they're better at putting the narrative together i mean the other one i've obviously put here is spider-man now that is i guess a spoiler i should probably put a spoiler alert here um and i won't necessarily address exactly what happens but have you both played spider-man on ps4 i assume yeah yeah do you both know the moment i'm talking about yeah 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 towards the end and yeah (laughs) Towards the end, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> but closer after, than towards the end, but yeah. After, after the boss battle, you know, you've you've done all this and basically the end. Just, yeah, <laughs> like, so, and uh, the one thing that gets me with that is that I I I'm obviously very biased with Spider Man anyway because I I love Spider Man, but it caught me off guard. It and mm. I think that's what that was one of the other I, things that did. That, I totally agree with what, that. Um, for me, it was it was this this moment, and it was just um, it was like, holy shit! I've never seen this yeah. before. This has never happened before. Yeah, you know. See, it... I think the 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 thing with that game in that and that's quite it's been quite clever in that it didn't it didn't need to build a relationship with us with that character yeah. because yeah. I think there's already a, a sort of a, a relationship with the spider-man universe with most people anyway because of the 
the movies that we've had over the years that everybody's got a bit of an understanding around Spider-Man anyway. Yeah. Um, but again, even if you took out, if you take out all the side stuff, Spider-Man on PS4 is a not short, but it's a it's a it's a fairly like straight run to get the main campaign done. And again, everything feels relevant, and it does. It's not so long that you become numb to it. And even if you do all the side stuff, what is it? Thirty hours tops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like it's so a really even... well paced game. Yeah, definitely. In terms of its, but then the, its I guess story the other and... argument, yeah, the other argument as well is that Kingdom Hearts One. The whole idea is that you know, and to my point, you are chasing for your best friends and your love mm. interest for a long time, and actually having all these side quests, it 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 stops that kind of that narrative flow because that urgency is lost. Whereas the events at the end of Spider Man aren't evident at the start of Spider Man. So they are things that recur throughout and it is an, it's much more of a natural narrative. So uh, yeah, it's 100%. more of a disappointment at the end of Heart, like Kingdom Hearts One where you're like it's it's almost it's almost like you've ha- you've got a sneeze and you you're so close to being able to sneeze and then someone <laughs> says bless you before you sneeze and you can't sneeze and you have to wait until the second sneeze to actually have that release. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> they are the worst. But it's because you've built up for something and you you've had it stripped away from you. Whereas what Spider-Man does is it builds you up and it, it builds the stories in small arcs with an overarching arc and then an emotional crescendo at the end. Mm. And Last of Us does the same. It starts very, very strong, very, very emotional and then it builds it up again. But again, you know, and you're right, Shane, it's, it's to do with the fact that they don't they don't take the pedal off that narrative or or that kind of that customer, uh, not customer, oh my God, um, that character focus and that push that you mm. just kind of want to keep going mm. and you want to keep learning. There's no there's no side diversions. There's nothing like that. Not enough to take away from the story or the development. Well, um, the only the only real side diversion in if we're talking Last of Us One specifically, the only real side diversion is just as narratively harrowing as any other part of the game, which is the 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 bit where you play specifically as Ellie and go through that yeah. that little like that little mini storyline mm. of how Ellie tries to survive on her own. Yeah. It's almost like a bubble storyline within the game. That that's... is so horrendous as like a, exactly. a moment in the game as well. But like if you take out if you look at the entirety of like all of the horrific things that happen in Last of Us, that little scene there is almost the equivalent of everything else that happens, but in a very short amount of time at one specific very mm. young character. Yeah. yeah. And it's like holy shit. Yeah. I think um, it's, it, the one thing that Last of Us has against all these other titles is sort of the way it's created and the way it's made is it's very filmic. It's very like mm. scripted and and acted out, and every moment is is really like um you know mapped out almost and directed from from you know Doctor Uckman himself. <laughs> um, well, I almost I almost feel like that specific section of gameplay with Ellie is strategically placed to mm. switch your emotions back on. Like yeah. it's at a point where you're not becoming numb to anything, but like the pace has slowed down a tiny bit 
you have and killed a lot you, of people by then and it's kind yeah, of yeah you have exactly you've killed a lot of people by then you kind of like you say you're not necessarily numb to the storyline but you are numb to the fact that you are murdering a lot of people mm. um and the pace starts to slow down a bit and then all of a sudden it goes bang no get your fucking emotions back in this because we're about to throw some real horrific shit at you yeah so that when you come out of that scene you're primed for the for the ending <laughs> yeah and um, then uh, the last of us too if i can just mention that I won't, I won't mm. go spoiler territory. It has a similar moment where it literally like kicks you back into reality, and, and it's like you're murdering a lot of people. Like this is a bad thing, and um, I don't know if you if you know the moment I'm talking about in the in the hospitals in like the lower levels. Yeah. yeah. Without going spoilery, um, we we literally yeah you know you have to well, murder I've... someone, and it's like this is brutal and harrowing, and you shouldn't do this, but you are doing it anyway. Um, well, I think Last of Us Two actually does it twice. Um, there's two elements there where I think it really pulls you back in. No, it, it it goes right. You've just had a lot of gameplay that's quite repetitive in that you've you might be coming numb to what you're doing now. Let's just pull you back down. And those yeah. two scenes are the one you just spoke about. And later in the game, when you're with the kid and yeah, yeah. going across the boards in the top, and like again, there's a point there where it's. Like you've just had maybe five hours of just consistent movement and killing and movement and killing. Yeah, you're like we're super just gonna soldier. fucking yeah, and just full on, full on like fucking pull you back in mm. emotionally really quickly and in such a jarring way. And that's what you're. I think what you're saying about Spider-Man, right, is it's mm. done in such a jarring way that you don't have time to emotionally react to it or like prepare for it. It's just like shit. I, my emotions are now in play and I can't stop them. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the thing is as well is that you know, you know, one of the questions you asked at the start, Shane, was about you know, do you find games emotional like you would a film? I think that the benefit that a game has is it gives you more time to have almost your guards taken down, to to be caught off guard by that, yeah. but while also giving you enough reason to give a shit, because yeah, a film you can be given an hour, two and a half hours tops for example to, with these characters to really understand that you know there are sure there are some series where you you know you spent a long time with these characters over a long period of time and like mcu is a prime example you spent a long time with these characters tony stark whatever happens to him at the end i don't know i i, I choose to ignore whatever happens in endgame i haven't watched the end of that yet um <laughs> you know he has he has this massive arc and but that's very fragmented whereas mm. as you say when you come to these games you know you are snapped back to reality very quickly very suddenly and very much out of your control but also in your control as well to a certain degree because it is you you are it's your agency it's your character that you're playing and you are invested in this story and it's yeah it mm. it's difficult and i think it, it makes that snap for emotional kind of that feeling that, that bit stronger in my opinion anyway hmm. I, I would also i think it's relevant to mention that it's all within context because there is some emotional elements that i don't think games will ever or some emotional stories for example that i don't think games will ever be able to tell better than film and vice versa Hmm. I don't yeah. think like The Last of Us will ever be as emotional in a film as it was in the game. Uh, no. But for example, 
you could never tell Marley and me in a game <laughs> and it remain as emotional as it is. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking more like Schindler's List, but, but you know, like, yeah, Marley and me. But I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Marley and me makes pretty much everyone cry. Um, <laughs> Because it's really well, you know, fucking the, sad. The first, the first minute, the first five minutes of up, you know, you can't well, put that exactly. in a game, can you? <laughs> but yeah, you can't like a story about a dog having a great life and then dying. Like that's never going to make a particularly great game or no. a game that's particularly emotional. So it's just look. There's obviously certain stories and games. I think games tend to. I mean, I tell. Feel like, I feel like if if one studio could make Marley and Me into a game it'd be naughty dog they could do yeah. it no it's, they could do it'd it. be the guys who made nintendo <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, on your point that i disagree because i think that there is there is nothing it's all about character development right and it's all about time yeah. you spend with your character and stuff and i think there are plenty of animals that have had such an emotional time there is but we're talking draw. about stories that have no real action element to them I, but so I, think it, I don't think that it, it, I, I actually think that, that game wouldn't be hard to create if, if someone put it to it you know I, I'm sure there's plenty of games actually out there that we probably have missed where it, there is a it's very much about the you know the connection and the relationship between well, the protagonist and the animal I let's, actually have let, um, let's just talk about Shadow of the Colossus for a second I mean Shadow of the Colossus amazing example yeah. Yeah, you know, um, it, no, it is, and that oh, is no, a, that is a great example I, I of a dog. But... Just PTSD of the horse. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but I think like the the key point I'm I'm trying to make <laughs> is that generally, generally when it comes to film, films don't do a good job of making horror or action emotionally charged in a way that's outside of i mean horror's got its ability to make you jump but i don't think they particularly do a good job of making things emotionally charged particularly in an action film right whereas games because of the nature of games and that generally there will be some form of action involved via the gameplay they will tend to tell those sort of stories in a much more emotionally charged way than films ever will the same way that like a romance film or let's say marley and me off or Schindler's List are films <laughs> that would struggle to have the same sort of impact in a game. Not saying they can't be made; it's mm. not impossible. But I don't think I think there's you, there's two different contexts there, two different styles of story. Uh, but I do actually have an example that not doesn't go against what I'm saying, but does address a slightly different version of game, and that is. Um, the walking simulator. I know a lot of people don't like these. Um, I know a lot of people find them extremely boring, but I've played three or four of them now. Yeah, but they, um, they, and they, they tell a story, don't they? they? They It's a very scripted story. Yes, but there is one that stands out to me. Didn't make me cry, but it was very emotionally charged. Um, and that was Firewatch. Don't know if you ever mm. played that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because... Um, and so for those for the, any of the listeners that haven't played it, you essentially just play as a guy who is trying to escape from the world and goes out to be a fire watcher, someone who just basically lives in the woods somewhere in America, I don't know where it is, um, 
away from everybody like doesn't have any contact with anybody in person mm. for months on end to keep an eye on fires and the only contact he has is via one radio um but obviously at the beginning of that he talks a lot about how his wife has got like early onset dementia and that he's struggling with like his own personal mental health and that he's feeling bad for not being able to be there for his wife and i think that does a very good job of telling some real human stories but like i say it's not maybe quite like the last of us or walking dead did hmm. it's not brought a tear to my eye um, just a single tear, though. It when doesn't I... happen, though, does it? it has, sometimes it always does move you and make you relate. That's the thing, is that if it's one of those things where it puts you in the situation where you don't want to skip the cutscene, where you don't want to fast-forward through it, and you're sitting there kind of going, you know, shit, you know, how should I feel? Sometimes even questioning how you should feel about this. And The Last of Us 2 in itself is a prime example. Mm. You're sitting there and you kind of go, I don't know how I feel. Mm is equally as emotional as being really happy, really sad, really angry, because you cannot fathom what you've just seen and how you, you, you as a person have never been in that situation. And fortunately you've never been in that situation to have to even consider how you would react or how you should feel. And I think that's one of the things that games allow you to do. And sometimes the games allow you to have more time in that world with these characters to build up that experience to have these horrible situations given to you in the safety of your own home to kind of go well, okay how would you react how should i feel like what was the right answer and sometimes yeah. there isn't a right answer last of it's us like, two is a prime example. like a great like, thought provoking piece yeah. of like you know gaming or whatever and, 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 I'm, and I'm pretty sure, you know, literally, you know, you have people that will say literature does the exact same thing. TV mm. does the exact same thing. And all of it will. And I think it's all about having that being presented with characters and situations that are both relatable and human. And, and, and you said it earlier on, Shane, it's human stories to a certain degree that make you yeah. kind of go, how would I feel? Even if you don't necessarily agree with what, how, or what they're feeling like, how should I feel when I watch this person? How can I empathize with them? And I think that sometimes be given you're given more time with these guys or more time in this world, it gives you more chance to empathize. And yeah, more- definitely. <laughs> and there's just, um, and, and I completely agree with you. And obviously, and I tend to find that the most emotionally charged um, media that I watch is TV shows. And like, as I said earlier, specifically of the animated kind. Um, (laughs) And so, I mean, there's uh, one show that specifically come into mind that I, again, I just could never see it being in a game format. Um, And it just, it it fucking, no, it was called Your Life from, uh, Your Lie in April. And it it was a fucking clusterfuck of emotions. Um, But the, the point I was about to make is video games do also have their limitations when it comes to this and mm-hmm. the limitation being that it's a video game in that i agree with what you're saying like how would i feel how would i react in that situation but a lot of the times a video game doesn't give you the option of how you would react in that situation it gives you the option to play out how this character would react in that situation yeah for example in a situation yeah. where i'm being um i think um, where, where, video, like video... I, I i'm not a fighter <laughs> my point being like <laughs> yeah. a situation 
you look at Joel, some of the situations he's in where he gets out of it through pure combat and like brutally beating someone to death. I'm mm. pretty sure that's not how I would have got out of that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I would have died. <laughs> run away. Like, just putting that out there. Yeah, I would have <laughs> run away. Like, 100%. Um, because I am a pussy. But there is, there's some situations like that where it... Yeah, although, yes, you've got... You're thinking, yeah, it's how I... Like, how would it make me feel? But it's also the... Well, how would this character react? Not necessarily how you would react. Because the because ga- games aren't in a position where you can react in any possible way. You, there are a certain set of buttons that you can press or a yeah. certain set of actions. I think, like, one thing that video games doesn't have over movies is that a video game has to still be fun. Like, mm. yeah, mm. it has to True. still be entertaining and fun and to play. So, you know, you can have these really emotionally charged moments, but then you, as soon as you come out of those, it still has to be fun gameplay and you still have to want to keep going and going and going. Um, with with the exception of, of horror, <laughs> because, yes. because yeah, for me, they, for me, right, those games yeah. aren't fun, but they are fucking no. emotionally charged, especially for me. Yeah. Um, oh, just the wrong emotion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, the last of us two for me was the exact same thing, which was, yeah, that, I, that, that... It, it's an incredible game, but there's so many points where I sat there and I would put it down and I would kind of go, I don't want to carry on. Yeah. I, I want to carry on. Because it, it's fun, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, but even there was there was a certain point where I was like, "This isn't fun," because emotionally, I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm where, done. "Where is this going? I, I'm done." Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where is this going? How should I feel? And it's it's built this world, and it's built this. It's it's almost it, it's you know, and again, not to get too kind of like deep into it, but it's it's a thought process. You know, it's giving yeah, you a yeah. thinking exercise about. How should people react? How should you react? And you sit there kind of going, you come, you turn that console off, and you go, I am more knackered now after playing yeah, that yeah, yeah. Than, I, than I was when I started it. And totally. it's both it's both a great it's you know, it's 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 great for the immersion, but sometimes you're like sometimes I just want to turn on and just shoot some aliens, like or destiny. But then that in itself is emotional for Shane, for example, and Shane <laughs> Yeah, and, but no, but rage, so. <laughs> that's a that's a different emotion. But no, exactly what you're saying. Like, if you you take The Last of Us two, and this is fairly spoiler free, um, and when we're talking about like you, how would you react? And like, is this the way that people should react? Well, nobody ever. Well, I mean, there probably is some people, but they're sick in the head. But nobody ever wants to fire an exploding arrow into a dog's head as it's next to its owner, so it blows its owner's leg off as well. Yeah. But in that game, sometimes you have to do that shit because you need to get through that area, and the only way through that area is by murdering every single person in front of you. Mm. Well, then you feel bad for it as well, which it's, it's like... I mean, oh, you're doing oh, the two when the, the, the fucking, like... The, the, the dogs dog. are whimpering uh, yeah. like, next to yeah, you. Yeah. Sort of, uh, no, but it's like, we, you know, when the dog just whimpers after you've killed the owner, you're sitting there kind of going, oh, man, that is... That, that's life. That yeah, you're like, what you've just you're like is, I'm such a that, terrible person. Now it's time to kill the dog because <laughs> it's in my way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I'm going to have to kill the other the dog and the other thing <laughs> behind him because, because, like you say, because it's a game, you're it's forcing your hands to yeah, yeah, yeah. play the game. Yeah. Um, but I think what it does do then is, and actually, you know, you know, talking about, you know, a lot of people think that video games sort of they glorify violence and stuff. You know, GTA is all about 
excessive violence, excessive sort of robbing, murdering stuff. It just shows that, that you can have very, very clear emotional consequences within a game that make you question yeah. how, you, how you should be feeling, even if you do or you don't. I mean, I, I mean, Last of Us 2, I, I remember... I, it was, it was, it was, it was, re- and the worst part about that game is it's retrospective in hindsight, isn't it? You play through as Ellie, you go into the aquarium, you kill the dog, and you think it's just a dog, it's just a dog protecting it. Then you slap to the second half, and you have the story with the dog. And only once you start doing that, you kind of go, Oh shit, it's that dog, it's that dog, mm. and everything starts to fall into place, and it just. Yeah, I'm get. I'm actually getting PTSD at this point. <laughs> so I'm talking through it. Just before um, we wrap up this, um, uh, Mike, I know you you've got a comment to make. Uh, I just wanted to quickly say, anybody who claims that games like GTA glorify violence should really play the Wolfenstein games because I think that's the only game I've ever played that genuinely glorifies violence. <laughs> I mean, those games are ridiculous. Yeah. Or Doom. Doom's pretty glorified in its violence. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mike, you were saying? Is he muted? Oh, sorry. this Mike disappeared. Sorry, I'm back. What is happening? <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> I oh. think he was suffering from PTSD. I didn't see your message. Us, I, <laughs> I didn't see your message. <laughs> but yeah, went, no, like if... I just went for a cry. I'm, I'm back. <laughs> no, yeah, if you, uh, yeah, if you think that that glorifies violence, like I say, like, Wolfenstein is on a whole nother level. Yeah, and it's I mean, ridiculous. But Wolfenstein's yeah. fun as hell, and yeah. Oh, it's super fun. But um, Mike, did I mean, you do you have a comment you wanted to close us up on this conversation? Because we should probably move on. Um, about Last of Us, just it's it's just a glorious masterpiece of of storytelling, and I think everyone should play it. Go buy Last of Us, everyone. It's a shame, actually, because I'd like to pick it. I mean, I think that this is a topic we should discuss again because, obviously, we're talking about, like, we're speaking about a narrative emotion. Yeah. And, actually, uh, it's a shame we have, you know, we've chatted too much about, like, The Last of Us and stuff because you had some good points in the notes, actually, Mike, about the the, the emotional attachment to characters. Characters. So, like, Three Houses and XCOM and Permadeath. And I think I did, yeah, it's I did, not I, one I did, I did pop this in the notes <laughs> and... and... And because yeah. we, we have been playing like three houses a lot, me and you, Ryan. And when a character yeah. dies, or like specifically in, in like XCOM as well, does it really go where it has its, um, you know, your character uh, dies, they're well, gone, they're gone, that's it, they're gone. Yeah, if you're maybe, maybe, them, um, maybe permadeath and player to character attachment is a topic we should cover in another episode because I feel like we could probably talk yeah, about that yeah, yeah. in quite a bit of detail. We'll, we'll, uh, Put that, put that down with part two for me. Go on, let's do it. Yeah. That, Sweet. I'll, that come, being I'll said, come back from part. That being said, <laughs> um, let's finish off with the news. Yeah, so our news this week is bought to you by Ryan. Ryan, go ahead. Well, I brought this news um, partly to antagonise you, Shane. <laughs> not, to, not, to, not to antagonise, antagonise is the wrong word, but we've obviously had, uh, we've had a heated discussion. I think we've got a... I want to say a neutral party because I'm not sure what Mike says on this. So it's three, three it's... destiny stories, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, yeah, you're right. Actually, how did you know? <laughs> this is it's PlayStation, and that's another thing that really sort of heats Shane up sometimes. 
I don't know if you've seen this, and this might be actually a bit of a sore point for you, Mike. You haven't oh. got a PS5 yet, have you? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you you may be able to give us some good insight. PlayStation Five have announced uh, that from I think it's eleventh of June we can now start to pre-order the new controller colours. So you got Cockpit Red and Midnight Black. Can I? They can look I, really sexy. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful controllers. Can I just interject with? Let's give us give us some fucking consoles, Sony. Give some consoles See, to buy. And this is exactly what I fucking said. So this is the reason why I want to bring it up. Was <laughs> the second story that I wanted to tell you was that you know Sony are now saying that some of these PS5 sources could last well into next year. You know, mm. so it could be intermittent um, in terms of just availability. Now, I I am quite impressed by the fact that they are they, they're putting these colours out. I think they look really good. They look, um, they I, look sick. Can't wait to get one. I might just get one before I get a PS5. Yeah, yeah see, I, we had we had this discussion earlier in the week, and although I agree the controllers look sick, <laughs> I think personally, from a from a from a public perception point of view, it's the wrong time. When That's right it, now totally. you can't get the consoles out for most of the population to actually buy one, when you haven't delivered on the extended storage, the fixing the rest mode. Um, and your controllers currently are suffering from from drift issues. Is it the right time to just be releasing new color controllers, or is it should the focus be elsewhere? Yeah. That's that's my view. Right now, it's not the right time from a public perception point of view. The focus should be elsewhere because at the moment, it just sounds like it just makes it look like they're just putting these out to try and get more money out of the people that have already got consoles and they haven't they're not they don't give a shit about those that don't have consoles cuz they they're not putting out new consoles yeah for Whereas. me for me as a non fucking console owner I was just like that'd be great that'd be great if i had a console that'd be so good i'd be so okay, okay but then so there's two parts to this so for me as well i mean i the way i see it is obviously there is a there is a team within sony that work on peripherals and they would have been working on these peripherals way before there would have been constrictions potentially on the shortages of PlayStation. Yeah. Which yeah. means that they, they aren't, you know, you can't expect these teams to just say, okay, well, we can't not release these. We can't yeah, not release No, these. but you can. And this is the I thing. Mean, be, I we don't we are very knowledgeable. <laughs> we are very knowledgeable in the games industry and how it works. We are a lot more knowledgeable than a lot of the basic public. They're not going to know that. All they're going to see is Sony. It's not, it's not that the peripheral team has come out publicly and gone, we're the peripheral team, we've built this for you. PlayStation themselves have put these out. So PlayStation as a company, as Sony, could have just turned around and said, great work on those peripherals, keep going, keep creating more. We're just going to hold them back a minute though, because publicly right now this is not the right time. We need to fix what we haven't got in play right now because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to look at this like Mike and say, great work, Sony, except I don't mean shit because I can't, I haven't got anything to use it with. <laughs> Whereas I, I don't see it that way. I see it more the fact that if this is a supplement to what is out there, so they can start. This is, it's not like a pre, it's not like if it was a pre or like a, a limited thing, I would get it. I think it is fine for them to announce these, but is that because, because you have a PS5? But I think if I was in Mike's position, I would kind of sit there and kind of go, I like that red one. 
Yeah, you know, I like the great control. Yeah, no, but but it also means that I've I I have two controllers. I would be sitting there and going at least this way when I get my control when I get my console in 2023. I can have a red one with it. I can have a red (laughs) controller with it. I have that choice. But the and and this isn't. I didn't have that choice in November, and I now have two white ones. When in reality. I probably would have a red and a black one. Uh, 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 well, well, maybe red and a black, white. white one. I don't know. But I don't the... know. I got that choice. I never had that choice. <laughs> but again, it was timing for me. It's the timing. They announced these controllers within the same two-week period as confirming that the PS5 sort shortages will go into next year. Mm. At least put a month's gap between them. Like, yeah, I agree. Gone... I agree. It's poor timing and and. Yeah, like to to go. Oh, by the way, we're still not going to be able to give you consoles for another year. But here's some shiny new controllers. It just poor timing all round. I think if they had waited another month, two months, maybe even up to six months, and let the news of the fact that shortages are going to continue sink in first, and then let that pass, then it would have been better timing. But I think the timing they've chosen right now is poor timing from a from a public point of view. Um, and it is a, it looks a bit shitty on them, in my opinion. But then, yeah. do you not want? Would you not want them to be? Do you, the, on the other side? Then I think it what was it as of March. I think it was they sold seven point eight million PlayStations. If that, not, I mean, more. yeah, when, when you put right? it that way, that's enough in it, right? Like, do you not think that they should? That you all you would also want to be supporting your current player base in the fact that you're saying, yeah. They should yeah, because, by fixing because, rest mode no, and releasing no, the storage upgrades that they promised agree. six months ago. Shane's got, they Shane's are, got a lot of fucking pentacle issues tonight. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They, they are, they're different teams. They're different. Yeah, you know, this is a case of all it doesn't. Is, it doesn't matter more... if they're different teams. I'm not saying that the peripheral team shouldn't keep making stuff in the background. I'm saying that PlayStation, as a company, need to make the right choice on what goes out first. And if they turned around and said, "Look," He, we're working on the um, rest mode because we ha- the, the thing is as well, it's we haven't had an update. We haven't had any update on the rest mode fix. We haven't had any update on the storage <laughs> in, on the storage changes. We haven't had any update on any of those changes that they promised over six months ago. We know the storage is coming, James. No, no, all they said is it's coming. Let me just cut this short, guys. Right, right, Ryan. Give us, give us, your, give us your, your second story. One that won't, <laughs> won't divide us. No, I'm not. This no, is I'm the not, reason. Like, this is the not, reason I'm I came with these. But I loved I just, it. I loved it. It's not that I'm riled up or anything. I just, I just think it's poor timing. And what they should have done, in my opinion, um, is they should have held, whether it be like a state of play or something like that, um, where they gave us an update on all this other stuff and then put the controllers in there as well. Because like that saying, would have been, that would have been fine. You but want the a Nintendo, that... a Nintendo Direct style, which is, hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, we haven't got a solution to the rest modes. Uh, we haven't got a solution to the storage. But thanks for tuning in. But here's some new controllers. No, what I want to know is, what I want to know is, like, have we got a time frame for it? And if we haven't, then don't release those controllers because right now. Like say they've got seven point eight bit million out there that can't that everyone has to turn off every time because they can't use rest mode. 
you've got 7.8 million people that are having to delete a game every other week to install their new game because they haven't sorted out the storage upgrades. <laughs> What's well, Right now, what is more important? You can go and buy a white controller shiny if you want the second one. Shiny controllers, buy them. <laughs> or buy them now. <laughs> the ability to actually do what the console was supposed to do at launch. Also, if you go to game and put in uh, hashtag triple XP, you get 20% off pre-orders on these controllers. I mean, so. you definitely don't. Don't, don't be false advertising us now. Um, on, a, on a serious note, though, what is your second story? <laughs> Let's move on real quick. Let's just wind down with something a bit more mellow. Um, Everyone will all, something will all agree on how, it. How, how long have we been running for this? Um, too long. Uh, two hours. The reason I asked that is because this has been two hours without mentioning Pokemon. So I want to... <laughs> Buckle up, we're going into our third hour. <laughs> and, and you've got me on as well, which is a lot of Pokemon. No, it was just um, just small bits of Pokemon. Katy Perry has released her new song on, on Pokemon. I don't know if you've seen that. I, oh. I have, and it is shocking. It's not great. Oh, <laughs> um, oh God, I thought you were joking. I need to check this out. No, it's actually... No, it's called Electric. It, it and came out awful. on Friday, I think it was. Um, you know, it's part of the 25th. Uh, anniversary of like Pokemon. No, for some, some unrelated reason, it's to do with music as well. Um, yeah, so Electric, go listen to it. It's on Spotify. Um, or don't. I or mean, don't. just don't. <laughs> yeah, or, or watch the YouTube video, which is use use fine. the code Triple XP to <laughs> on, on iTunes to feel to... more despair. <laughs> premium, yeah, yeah. Um, but the other thing I put on there as well was like the idea of Walmart and Target in America are suspending sales of Pokemon cards. It's not a hundred percent true, but for those of you that are interested in terms of how Pokemon is doing at the moment, interestingly, over the entirety of COVID, and it's for safety reasons. Is this right? Well, it's because it's because like Pokemon cards have been selling so much. Like, there's a huge shortage of Pokemon cards. And there was one series that came out called Shining Fates, and um, people were going absolutely mad for it. It was selling out within seconds. And the same problem that you had, Mike, with the PlayStation 5, with the scalpers, had with... <laughs> I'm going to bring it. I, 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 I want to keep poking it. Yeah, I want to keep poking it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. It's happening with Pokemon cards as well, and people were getting so frustrated by this. That oh, God. There were places in America where <laughs> They were queuing up. They were queuing up outside, ignoring COVID rules, ignoring all of this, just to get their packs of Pokemon cards. It's yeah. only only in America. It like, happens in the UK as well. I mean, oh, just, you know, just what is wrong with people? And like the reason, the reason I bring it up is because in America they had this thing where it was in McDonald's when you bought a Happy Meal, you would get some like a small pack of Pokemon cards. It'd be three cards. These they garner so much value. They are coming to the UK this month, which means that we could well see in May some complete bedlam going to. Um... See, this is honestly ridiculous <laughs> that they've like they've had to pull the sale of Pokemon cards for safety reasons because people aren't following the rules. That that is the most ridiculous thing. It's not even like safety reasons. Do you know what? Do you know who else had to pull a product this week? Marks and Spencer's had to pull a a selection of fucking medjool dates this week because they had hepatitis A in them. 
That's safety reasons. <laughs> Not because some people are being pricks and standing outside the shop when they shouldn't be. Did you Google things that had to be withdrawn from the sale today? No, I read the, I read the article earlier today. It's actually true. Um, they had to call <laughs> a bunch of original dates because they've got fears that they've got hepatitis A. But um, Hey, when they've got hepatitis A in them. It's, 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 for me, it's, it's yeah, it's beer above for me. Oh, <laughs> On that Absolutely. note, should we fucking wrap up? <laughs> yeah, but right, there's, before you do the normal wrap up, though, any listeners, I want to hear your opinion. Has Sony made the wrong move? Get in the, get in the comments and tell is, me so that is I can Destiny, have a right. Is Destiny a good game? Is Pokemon Snap shit? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm upset. I feel like that. Like I came onto this podcast today with, with <laughs> this story and points only aimed to antagonize Shane. <laughs> it like worked. Two hours later, <laughs> our, our longest podcast episode to date. <laughs> right, let's go. Mike, wrap it up. All right. This has been this week's episode of Triple XP. It's been good to be back. It's been a, a long hiatus, but we are back. Um, join us next episode where we might have either Paul Fox or some other cunt. <laughs> Who knows? Um, <laughs> hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, we we can join our Discord. You can also comment below, all that good shit. Just, just talk to us. Like, Just let us know what you think about the episode. That is the main thing. And we will catch you next time. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Triple FD. Triple X-D.